Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Rachel True. And I'm Trent Venegas. And you're listening to Quoting Gene Roddenberry. The 100-day podcast that celebrates what would have been the 100th birthday of the man that created Star Trek. Each day between now and the end of our podcast, August 19th, one of Star Trek's biggest icons, or celebrity fans, or both, will be quoting Gene Roddenberry. Then we're going to take a deep dive into why we think this sci-fi legend still has a lot to say to the world. Today's quote is read by Strange New World cast member, Christina Chong. Well, I do not believe we face any problems. What we face is the excitement of evolving as a life form. Welcome back to another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry, and it is our pleasure to welcome our guest host this week, Burbank City Council member, Constantine Anthony. Constantine, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. This looks very fun. Also, I love your name, by the way, Constantine. It's such a strong name. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. There was a uh, a song by Something Corporate uh, uh, about 20 years ago and made this, the name very popular. And then there was a Keanu Reeves movie that followed soon after that. Yes. John Constantine is one of my favorite comic book characters. So let's let's throw this quote to you. When you hear Christina reading Gene's words to us, uh, what are your thoughts when you hear them? I think it's actually a pretty uh, simple quote on its surface um, because I'm looking at the way he uses plurals. He says, I do not believe we face any problems. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a wonderful thing to hear from somebody who was a visionary, a, a futurist of sorts. We as a society... We don't face problems. We have um, things that force us to grow, uh, things that force us to change, to evolve as a species, um, as a planet. That is not to say that individuals don't face problems. Absolutely, individuals do. And I don't think he was taking uh, anything away from that. When we look at greater uh, social movements, uh, inequality, um, mm-hmm. you know, we look at, um, you know, uh, women's liberation and, and Black Lives Matter. And it, when we when we delve into the problems of society, we see these fights are based on what is that one individual person facing in that moment and who is oppressing them, who is keeping them from achieving their greatness. And then what do we as a society do to change? Mm -hmm. Because it's not a problem for society to change, right? We look at the problems individuals face and we say, okay, how can we adapt? How can we evolve? Mm -hmm. I love that he calls us a life form, that we are all connected. All human beings are, you know, (laughs) one life form. That's very interesting in that quote. Constantine, I think he does that in quite a few quotes. And I personally love that as well because it's inclusive, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make anyone feel left out. And I realize with a quote like this, I and even people listening for 70 episodes probably expect me to kind of go off. But what I like about this quote 
is the ultimate optimism, she says cynically. (laughs) No, uh, I really do, because obviously people got MF problems, right? But, but... The whole focus, I think, in life is on the healing, right? And and then what we gain once we're at that new plateau. And that's what this quote is all about. If you look at it as, I have a problem, I have a problem, that's almost negative energy. Mm-hmm. You're saying, I have a problem, I have a problem. How can, you, how can you help it vibrate lower? But if you're like, there's this thing, and I figured out how to move forward through it is very optimistic and I sit upright when I think that way because obviously the world we're in today people got problems but as a black person I've always said I'm not the one with the problem right Mm. I'm not the one with the Mm -hmm. problem I love my hair I love my skin and um other people have some issues with that so it's not my problem oh yeah you know what I'm you know what I'm saying completely agree with with that and as Rachel mentioned and alluded to so many of the quotes that we've discussed so far Gene is very uh forthright and honest about his ever optimism about how he views humanity as life forms as creatures he he talks about humanity in, in a in very charming terms so I think this is another example of, of Gene's ever optimism, I should say. And we see this a lot in a lot of the Star Trek uh, stories. Obviously, when you know the crew of the Enterprise is dealing with very serious problems like the Borg, you know, they take those problems very seriously. But if you think about the day-to-day of like Geordi LaForge in main engineering and something like uh, you know, the warp co- a warp core breach, which is like Literally, they could just explode and they're all dead. And that's a problem. But the way that Jordy takes on those situations, they're like challenges for him. Like he's working diligently. He's a little stressed, but he's not freaking out. Like it's a problem. But for him, it's a challenge for him to overcome because not- he's not a water sign, is he? <laughs> he must be a logical air sign. <laughs> he is able to stay focused and and use the the situation as a way for him to serve the the crew to keep everyone safe and alive. Uh, where he could turn a problem into, um, you know, a benefit where he's able to excitedly, you know, fix the situation. Well, you guys, I've referenced this before, Constantine, I'm going to throw this to you, but I've referenced this before because I wrote a book, which is essentially a book on self-help, right? Mm -hmm. In a sense, it's a tarot book, but it's a Jungian psychology. And this quote super reminds me of that in the sense of, it's if you lean into your Eckhart Tolle pain body and you're like, I have this trauma, 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 yeah. which we all feel and we're allowed to feel. But if you stay there, yes. then you have a problem, right? You have nothing but a problem because you're living in your trauma and that's a problem, right? Our trauma is really hard to process. But if we look at it as, okay, this happened. Now, how can I heal it? How can I evolve to use the words literally of Gene Roddenberry, because it is to me about evolving. We're all allowed, uh, we're all allowed that grace period of like, I can't even believe this happened to mm-hmm. me, right? Mm-hmm. But but listen to what I just said. I can't believe it happened to me. It's a lot of ego wrapped up in that, right? So if we understand that we all kind of come up against situations that are super tricky and we can get past, it's a problem that I can never get over. I always believe that very few things are insurmountable. Yeah. That's my truth. What do you all think? You know, it's it's easy uh, to dismiss this quote. Gene Roddenberry, a successful white man saying there are, you know, we don't face any. He problems. said it. I did it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and it I think it 
it delves down into the mentality of how we think of as a collective rather than as an individual. You know, I've worked in disability rights for over a decade now, and it's interesting to see um, advocates and people who are fighting for uh, uh, civil rights and civil liberties, Mm -hmm. how the most successful ones behave in private and in public. And when these advocates come together and they're on a podium and you hear a speech from them, they talk about society as a whole, as a global change, as a force for good to move forward and to address the needs of the people. But if you meet them privately and when they talk to their own family members and they talk to you know people who they're working with that they're mentoring to bring up through the, the ranks, they talk about facing problems and you know, being that force for good on a Mm -hmm. small scale, Mm -hmm. addressing issues individually, knowing your strengths and your weaknesses. And it's a very different conversation. And I think this quote attests to that former uh, uh, standpoint where Gene is talking to the general public as a whole, right? He's Mm -hmm. not saying, don't rest on your laurels. Oh, it's too insurmountable. There are no problems. You're just stuck where you are because that's the way society is. It's it's a it's a much broader scope, and, and it's the kind of thing you hear. Um, you know, the, the most ardent advocates for change say in public to the general masses: "We must evolve." It's exciting. Yeah, get in it. Yeah, get to it. it. It is exciting, actually. I see we're going to be optimistic this week with Constantine. <laughs> but I have a question for both of you because. I think it helps sometimes to put uh, things in practical terms. Mm -hmm. And when I look at this quote, I've had so many examples in my life where I fell flat on my face, right? And I was like, this is the worst thing ever. But yet out of that, right? Once I shook it off and felt sorry for myself and then stood up straight and carried on, that's when great things happened. And I, I can look at it and go, oh gosh, that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't had that great fall, like for, and my quick example would be, I hit an age, uh, you know, uh, as an actor where women are notoriously underserved Mm -hmm. and it was difficult because I'd worked so much my whole life. Right. And then, and then an ex outed my age on the IMDB, which I want to sue him for, but whatever, because I always played much younger. So a lot of things, you know, hit at once. And, um, but out of that came me writing a book. Delving into something, a subject I love and a thing I'm interested in and something that helps soothe me. The whole point of writing the book is this thing that you think is weird is actually just young in psychology and it's helping me self-soothe right now. And maybe it can help you. And then I sold it to a major publisher and I've always wanted to write a book and none of that would have happened if Hollywood was an ageist. So what about you all? Do you have any examples like that? I... I will tell you, you know, I didn't ever plan on running for elected office. That was uh, never an ambition of mine or a career pathway. Mm -hmm. But I had worked, I had volunteered on a presidential campaign in 2016. And we, you know, I had made plans at the end of, you know, I was like, well, when November's over, I'm going to go back to my life. I'm going to go back to acting. I'm going to go back to filmmaking and all of that stuff. And of course, the results in November 2016 didn't turn out the way we wanted them to. And there was just like a change, a shift in my thinking about 
well, what else can I do? Because I was planning on the, the work I'd done for the last eight months had been to solve uh, problems. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was running for office. That was the solution. So, yeah. And that's lovely, by the way, because and let me just throw out for anyone listening. There's a moment of adapting. You're allowed to be like, I don't like what's happening yeah. or these changes are weird. But for me, per this quote, it's about going, OK, okay I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. But then I, ha- I always have a cutoff point where I got to get back up because I don't. Here's what I'll say. I've always said it to people many times. I don't have the luxury of some of my white friends of flailing around on the ground mm-hmm. for, forever. Mm-hmm. I have to get up, stand up and move myself forward, whatever, whichever direction my career is going to go in. Trent, what's yeah. your example? You know, at the heart of this quote, it's essentially like, you know, bad stuff happens. And then what do you do with it? You know, so for me, you know, just off the top of my head, when I think about so I've talked previously about how I used to long distance run and I managed to run 10 marathons and a whole lot of halves. I, I ran a lot. And for someone who was in my, you know, I very honest, like I'm a very lazy person. I don't like working out, but it's not something I ever thought that I would do. But around the time that I started running, I was going through the worst breakup of my life, like an engagement that that did not work out. And there was not to get into all, but it was, it almost destroyed me to be quite honest. It was the hardest thing I'd ever been through up to that point. And I didn't really know how to deal with it. So all I knew what to do was I was already in this mode of, of training running and I just would run and I would just run to clear my head. I remember crying on runs and it was such a cathartic thing that if I didn't have that in place, I don't really know how I would have survived that that breakup. I mean, I know I would have and not to sound super melodramatic about it, but it really was difficult for me. And I was able to turn that that thing that happened, that that problem that I was faced with, like, you know, I lost his family. Like I had this whole family structure. I just lost it all. And it was really hard for me to deal with. But I had this thing in place where I was able to push myself in ways I did not know that I could or I was capable of. And I ran my first marathon and then another marathon. And I, you know, I wait, Trent, so. you really understand the loneliness of the long distance runner. Yeah, don't absolutely. You, absolutely. But I will also say there is a loneliness, but there's also this meditative thing about it. Like I People always ask me, especially long distance runners, like, oh, don't you love when you get that runner's high? No, I have never experienced a runner's high, but I have experienced this time where I'm not on my phone. I'm not on the couch. I'm not eating. I'm not I'm, I'm focused on a task. All you have is like what's in your head. And maybe the the music that you're that you're listening to, it's very meditative. It was it, it helped me through, like I said, one of the hardest times of my life, and I was able to turn that problem into something positive. Trent, d- dare I say, it helped you evolve? It absolutely did. It absolutely did. We could talk about this uh, much more because it's a great quote, but we have to move on with this episode. But we're lucky enough to have Constantine all week long. I'll be here. (laughs) You can see the quote, which was read by Christina Chong on uh, the Roddenberry social media pages. Right, Trent? Yeah, we could check them out on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And we hope you'll join the three of us again tomorrow for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. Ciao. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's quote. So tweet us, post us, DM us, whatever. We're at Roddenberry on Twitter and Facebook and at Roddenberry Official on Instagram. Quoting Gene Roddenberry is a Roddenberry podcast hosted by me, Rachel True. 
And me, Trent Venegas. Producing are Claire Kramer and Kelsey Goldberg with executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Engineering and editing are provided by Elizabeth Joy Windham. And special thanks to all those who were kind enough to read a quote and give a voice to Gene Roddenberry's everlasting words. Live long and prosper. 